I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Welcome to Fairy God Boss Radio. Today, I'm so lucky to be joined by Blondine Lacroix, who is the corporate vice president of biofarm and strategy at Novo Nordisk, where she has worked for 18 years. Blondine, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. We would love to hear about your career journey. How did you begin? Did you know you would go into pharma? And how have you built this 18-year career to achieve what you've achieved? Oh, great. That's a, that's a big question. How much time do we have? But uh, <laughs> let, let me start out where I am today, right? So I'm here at Novo Nordisk here in the U.S. I've been here in the U.S. for 10 years, but I studied in Novo Nordisk about, um, as you said, 18 years, almost 19 years next month in Australia. So it has been a bit of a world tour before I made it to Princeton, New Jersey to be here. All the way around the globe. Yes. And it's part of the story, I would say. So it's part of the journey. So let me start where I am today and what got me here. The first thing is, as you said, I'm a, I'm a leader. I'm also part of the executive team here in the U.S. team that represent Novo Nordisk in the market of the United States. I'm in charge of one of the business units, as well as a long-term strategy for the company. It is definitely not what I thought I would do, because when I was a kid, I thought I would be uh, working for the United Nations or the Red Cross. Not quite uh, what I do today, but it feels like working for Novonardisk in a space I'm in, there's a lot of engagement around diabetes, obesity, chronic disease, and, and helping the person with the disease be more successful in the healthcare system we live in. This feeling that I can help someone meaningfully and purposefully, and that's probably why I've been sticking around for almost 19 years. So I found a company that while it's defined as a pharmaceutical company or life science company, it's a company that is anchored in Denmark with a Scandinavian uh, culture and set of values that are associated with my values, my personal values. And in a place where what matters most is the people, both the person that you work with, but also the person you serve, which is the person with a disease. So there's a lot of decisions and a lot of conversations and strategic energy around how do we become more relevant for the person with a disease we serve. And so that has attracted me to the company and it has made me stay here. So as I said, I'm an executive team member. I'm a leader with a, a broad scope of long-term strategy and helping the executive team think about how do we transform to remain relevant in the long term. So it's a lot of element of sustainability. But I'm also Sophie's mom. Love that. And so I have an eight-year-old, and she's also part of, of why I'm still here 10 years later, because I was meant to be here only two years when I started 10 years ago. So I'm Sophie's mom, and she is one of the motivation and reason why I do what I do and how I do it today. But she's also an outcome of a, a personal story, because I've always wanted to be a mom since I was very young. I made some calls around the type of schools I would go to after high school and the type of investment I would make, for example, going from a mathematics and physics high school kind of degree into business and going to a French-American school in Paris so that I could get an MBA with the thought that if I could, as a young person, get all this behind me, all those degrees, all those credentials, and then start a career then if and when I would meet the person that I would marry and build a family with, I would have all those foundations that allows me to either make a decision to stay home and look after my kids and or 
work while I'm a mom or work after my kids are older and I can do that. So I had a plan. Very deliberate. You've, yeah, you've it was planned a plan. it from the beginning. I, that was my plan at the origin, right? And and it was informed by, by the fact that I was watching my mom who had been an artist and had done some great thing, had been a mother of four, amazing mom, was an amazing dad, was an engineer, was on the road. But watching these dynamics of a family that asks you to be successful at school so you can be successful in life, as a girl, watching your mom staying at home to raise her kids because that was, that's the model they abided by or chosen and, and being asked or pushed to, to go beyond that. And so I did. So I went to business school. I met someone there that became my husband, Australian husband. I moved to the Czech Republic, leaving my MBA behind. I graduated, got my MBA, got a job in the U.S. with a with big company, with a great runway of progression into a management development program, but fell in love. So I had to make a call and I said, okay, I love that guy. So why don't I leave all this behind my MBA and, and the job that I was starting into, let's go to the Czech Republic. Not sure what I'm going to be doing there, but it's where it's going to be based. And let's see how we go. So I left everything behind, the US behind, went to the Czech Republic. We had a great love story there. It was an amazing, beautiful place. Prague is a beautiful yeah. place to be in love. And then, you know, just teaching in the business school, helping Western companies adapting to the, to the Eastern Europe and all those things. So really um, experiments and an exciting experience. And then a decision to say, well, my husband has four kids in Australia. It's too hard for him to, to be away from, from the kids. So should we go and move to Australia back for him and try that out for me? Also, become, Australia is very exciting. How could you say no to that? I always wanted to be going to Australia and just happened to fall in love with an Australian that took me there. So that's what happened. So we <laughs> left the Czech Republic and I moved to Australia and became stepmom overnight of four kids. I always knew I wanted to be a mom. That's something that was very deep in my gut. And I, and I had to make that call that day. Do I go there and become stepmom or knowing also that my husband at the time we had discussed that in our relationship that he could not have more children. So I had to make a decision. Do I embrace this family as my own? Do I go to Australia and start all over again from a work perspective or do I quickly quit? Wow. Well, I went ahead and did that. And so I moved to Australia, became a stepmom and then started a career in pharma. So I started with a company called Eli Lilly. Later on, joined Novo Nordisk and the rest is history. I started in Australia with Novo Nordisk. I ended up going to Denmark my mar- when my marriage uh, broke down. Again, a set of personal decisions that led to a a professional experience. And then after five years in Denmark, someone asking me if I could come and help them out here in the US. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to do that because Princeton, New Jersey is cool. And I really like warm weather, <laughs> you know, sunny beaches and, and mm-hmm. winter with no snow. And Princeton is not quite that. Not so, enough. you know, I had to make that decision again. And originally I said no. And then they said, well, you know, it's a, it's a team that needs help. We know you could do it. And then we know it's actually two level downs to what you were in Denmark. So uh, said yes, led me to the U.S. 10 years ago. Then the team I was engaged in, we managed to turn the business around. I became that always feels great. Yes. Signature Especially win. for that, you know, non-American working in an American market with American team. And within 18 months, we find a way together to solve. That was great. Yeah. But at the same time, I became a foster mom in New Jersey. Oh, wow. Full circle. Foster mom in New Jersey with a hope to adopt a little set of siblings and recreate a family like I had in Australia. 
And what happened is a phone call on a Wednesday afternoon at 4.30 saying, "There's a. we know you said you didn't want a baby, but there's this little baby in a NICU. And we believe you're going to be great for her. And the likelihood of her being adopted is high. Could you say yes? Wow. So you became mom to a baby with very little warning. So a Wednesday afternoon, I went to a to an hospital, showed up at the reception, registered this, asked me what I was doing here. And I said, I'm here to pick up a baby. <laughs> and then off you go and meet a, a, a team of, of people in the NICU, from nurses to doctors, everyone who had to help uh, Sophia be born. And I picked her up and I took her home. And I became Sophie's mom from then. So it was um, eight years ago. Blondine, that is so wonderful. I love your story. I love your journey. And I, I thank you for being so candid with us about kind of the intermixing of uh-huh. your personal life and your professional life. Uh, because I think so often women are resistant to even revealing their personal life. Uh, I appreciate you for being so candid and courageous with us. If I may, that's probably one of the things I discovered was one of my strengths. This ability to bring the human into my leadership has become part of my success. And people have observed it. And it's probably why I'm as successful as I am today. So I, I know you say it might not be what people do usually, but that's probably one of the biggest takeaway in my life that I'm now trying to share with others. It actually works when you do. I love it. And there's also something else that you said that I really want to pick up on, which is the idea that work can help us heal. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. And I believe that too. I believe that if we have work we love, it can help us recharge. And especially right now that we're all feeling so fatigued and that we are also working at home. We're, facing, we're, we're basically one year into a terrible pandemic and we all feel burnt out and exhausted and tired of living this way. This idea that work can be the, instead of being something that taxes us further, can be the, the, the Contributor path. positive, yes. Yeah. And, and it goes two ways. It goes two ways. So it, it's a very important point, but I think that was possible because of the company I had joined. And I think it was possible because of the connection and the relationship I had built in that company and the values the company was abiding by that created a set of people where they were not friends per se, they were people we were connected with. And when my mar- marriage broke down, I felt like I had brothers, felt I had a mother and a sister helping me out. So it was fascinating to watch that community of people you spent so many hours with became that family. Because remember, I'm French and you can tell from the accent. So when I moved to Australia, all I had was my husband and our stepkids. And that was it. So when marriage broke down overnight, I had no husband and long term partnership. I had lost my kids because they were my stepkids. And I had made the decision to lose my house because I was the house where the kids were being raised. So overnight, I had nothing left. And so, but I did realize then that I actually had something less. I had that Novonardis family. I had those people and something that is relevant and meaningful to me. And I think is important for people who are listening today is you're clear on what you need and what you want in any type of relationship, including work, you need to always position yourself to say, is it working for me? Does it feel good? Am I in the right place to do the best I can, to feel like I make a contribution? And that's very important in work. And I have found that in my company and some could say, did she drink the Kool-Aid or whatever? I may, but it works for me, right? You're serving the Kool-Aid now. Yeah, and now it's working. (laughs) But the point is, is in that very big traumatic personal situation, I had a family, they were the people I worked with. 
I love it. So I looked at your LinkedIn and you've been promoted like eight times. times at yes, least. Two times. Yeah. What is the secret? What is your secret? How do you feel you were able to get all these promotions? By being true to my strengths in the moment. So really like whatever decision I made on which job I was taking on. I was implying myself to say, what is the best outcome I can drive? What what strengths should I play with to be the best I can be in a job I'm in today? Key number two is every time I do a job, I'm never doing it in a vacuum. I'm connected to a number of people, either in a company I work with and all the customers I engage with. So always invested in my relationships, being genuine, being insightful, being interested. And so I think there are the two key I don't know if they're natural behaviors, but things that have seemed to always played out and got stronger at allowed me to get into jobs where with a team, we will end up with fixing something that was lousy before or fixing something that felt so complex, but nobody could find solution. But we found a way because we were diverse in the way we solved for it or a team that was doing great, but we went from great you know, to best, right? And it's only applying those two things is what is my role? What is my strengths? How do we activate each other? And how invested I am in my relationship? The outcome of that was a tap on the shoulder. Like that, that trip from Australia to Denmark was the tap of a shoulder. Oh, we know she's mobile. We have this role. We should be interested in it. The trip to the, from Denmark to the US was the same thing is we have this situation. We know you. We trust you. We've seen you in action. The, the kind of the momentum of being good in what you do, be invested in your relationships, be clear on what matters to you and your strengths, and then there will always be someone who can see the value of what you can add to them or their team. And that's what happened to me. So you've lived in many different cultures and worked in many different cultures. How do you feel gender has played a role in your career, if at all? And how is it different in these different cultures? So it's interesting because conversation around gender became very intense and, and visible to me when I joined the U.S. organization. Before that, I was trying to think about it because it had created kind of a first an allergy in my stomach and second a aha moment for me about this intensity around gender discrimination and, and differences. Because I was looking back at my journey and feeling, I don't know that I ever felt like a woman. But even though actually I was, so I had a father who was very proud and he has one son and three daughters and he invested equally in making sure that all of us had an, a schooling. And because I was doing great at school and others too, in our, he was, because we were academically great, he would be on our side. So it didn't matter that I was a girl for him, but I was successful at school, which is important to him. So I had a dad who believed in me, but it's interesting because he worked in the steel industry Mm. And I started my first work experience in the steel industry through these connections. And this is definitely a male-oriented world. But I was the cute young girl and I was naive. And all I wanted to do is do a good job. So I don't know if they were treating me as their daughters or as their sisters, but they were kind to me and they gave me room to learn. So I never felt discriminated then. So that's one thing. And then I entered into the business and did other things in the U.S. and then the Czech Republic and, and then Novo Nordis, which is a Scandinavian organization where, to your point, there may be a different um, balance between genders or different uh, frame of reference. But I've been often the only female in the rooms. 
But in that context and environment, the fact that I was woman didn't hold me back. I was able to progress because of the opportunity they gave me to grow and the investment they made in me. And I never felt like they were investing less in me than they were investing in someone else that was a man. And I never felt like I had not not an opportunity to make a choice and to, to say what I had to say. Now, to be very honest with you, I've had trauma in my life. One, I talked about the, the marriage breakdown where, where I was betrayed by the men that I loved. That's one thing. But on the other side, in, during my childhood, I had quite a traumatic experience with, with men that created a sense of insecurity uh, psychologically, where for a very long time, when I was in an environment where there were men on you, feel very unsafe and very so afraid. So but the but falling in love with my ex-husband, with the relationship, the investment you made in me, the belief he had in me, the belief that the person that hired me in Australia was two guys and hired me in Australia, the feedback and the support I got from those men helped me grow, grow out of that fear of men. And so I have both this experience of support from men all through my life that allowed me to find ways to be able to challenge them if I can and feel self enough to do so. So that's part of my journey too, that I want to impart to many, because one of the things that I find fascinating today in the US, as I said, when I arrived here, there's a woman in Novo Nordisk employee resource group. So I was a member and I was listening to, to the stories and I was like, oh my God, there is a difference between men and women in the workplace and yeah. not just in the US, but why was I immune to it? And why at the beginning, I was like, is there something in the way we show up? You know, that victim syndrome that it's your fault, not theirs. So I was part of that kind of bias. But then over time, I realized, no, there's maybe some different condition. And so I became a little bit more activist of, you know, being a woman who has been successful to be speaking to women and to mentoring women. So I became more involved in this because I think my biggest learning is if you surround yourself with people who believe in you and support you, and if you're exposed to people who are going to be toxic to you and you have that other network supporting you, you can do anything. And then you are going to discover, like I did, that your strength is within. You need your tribe. You need, your, you need to find your tribe. And that, that tribe can evolve and can change. But this is the idea of only surround yourself with people who believe in you and support you, no matter who they are. If there's a toxic relationship, you have a choice to make. And make sure that the choice you make is relevant to what you need in your gut and in your heart, not what the society conditions you to think about. Because we have so many conditioning and element of, of circumstances and frame of references that prevents us from being the best self we're supposed to be. Yeah. And so I realized that maybe by being who I was, being successful in my own way, being a woman, because, I, you know, we have conversation with a number of male leaders I've been working with. They can't put their head around my frame of reference and my way of doing things, but they're watching it work. Well, and, and how essential is it? How many of the patients you're helping are women? Yeah. Back to something that is very topical in our age is the importance of being a diverse and, and inclusive culture. Right. And then people talk about diversity and inclusive, inclusivity. And that's what I believe in the core, right? And it's probably family and experience. Every single individual on this earth has value. We're all connected. And the more diverse we are in our understanding of things, the more creative we will be in solving for complex issues. 
you know, I, I've had a lot of executive assessment through all those career development and things. And there's always a theme that comes through that says, you are an idealist or eternal optimist or a dreamer. And I always say, yes. And I drive results, extraordinary results. So I want to make sure that when they say that to me, they understand, but it works yeah. and it pays off in it. your frame of reference of success. Right. You have to dream big to have yes. great results. Yes. I love that. Could you talk to us about a mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? I knew you were going to ask me that question. And I was thinking deeply about mistakes. The way I zoomed to the answer was actually I made mistakes in some of the relationships. The biggest mistakes I've made through my life are related to how I either allowed a toxic relationship to last too long and or being in a relationship that was not functional and, and invest too much in trying to fix the other person. Yeah. And, and many times, I'm too loyal and I stick too long. And that's part of the mistake answer I wanted to give you is sometimes you need to call it quit sometimes. And that's the biggest learning. If someone is that toxic, right, or a work environment is that toxic. And I, I had that conversation with my sister because she was in a work environment that was making her very, very sick, oh. physically sick. And I said, I know it's hard. I know you need that job, but it's negatively impacting on your life, on your health, on your future. You need to leave. Sometimes if you stay too long in a toxic environment, you are the one paying the price. Right. So right. find that courage and or the support to allow you to leave. And that's the biggest learning. So it sounds like you shouldn't always dismiss people that you have conflict with right away. And then you shouldn't always have infinite allegiance to relationships that you're in. Right. It needs to be a two-way street. Every yeah. relationship takes two. Love it. All right. I'm going to move to some fun, fast questions. Blondine, what is your favorite karaoke song? <laughs> I don't have one. Why? Because I am a very terrible singer. <laughs> and music is not necessarily a strength of mine. But since I have Sophie, eight years old, so she loves music. And so this week, this is Mary Poppins. And so through the iTunes and the listening of music, we have the, you know how there's a, the song on the left and then you have the lyrics. So yeah. we listen, we're singing a lot of those super colleges, whatever you say. Supercalifragilistic. That's it. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> last week was the greater showman on musicals. So that's what's in right now. I love it. I love it. Tell us about your favorite way to practice self-care. Really invested a lot in the quality of sleep. So I've learned a lot through my, my journey with all the doctors that talks about obesity and stress and, and sleep, the importance of sleep. And I've observed that myself. So being religious in when I go to bed and the routine before going to bed and also trying to impart that to my daughter, right? So consistent hours of bedtime, making sure that there is no screen before bedtime and nothing that can excite the brain. So sleep is very important, but that first hour in the morning, that me time where I can, and it's usually, you know, when you go to the, the bathroom and you brush your teeth and you have the shower, that is probably one of the most powerful mindfulness moments in my day. I love that. I also agree that the shower and teeth brushing are very mindful practices. Best thoughts always. Who is a celebrity you'd like to have dinner with? Can I have two? Sure. All right. I like Lady Gaga and Obama together for dinner at the oh, same time. That is a good dinner. I'll come to that. Yeah, that would be <laughs> fun. So uh, Lady Gaga is because of the journey and like the voice she's found. Yeah. And first, the music is amazing, right? And it's very innovative. And But the woman behind the Lady Gaga brand is amazing. 
nobody's perfect. We all have our journey, but I love what she stands for and how she used her, her voice to help us with that. And then Michelle Obama, I'm just in awe with that class, the style, the smart. So I'm just would love to have the two of them together for dinner. Then I can, you know, cook something nice and we can drink some nice wine and just chat. She has an incredible moral compass and finds like a wonderful voice behind it. Yeah. What book would you recommend to our audience? I've never thought I would be like a, a Twilight reader, but I fell in love with that when it showed up. And it showed up and my daughters were reading it. So I was reading it. And I'm like, love this. This is cool. So I have the tendency to read books that allows me to not think too much and escape. And I need strong character, woman character in it and cool love stories with them. I love it. So I'm going to give you a challenge now, Blondine, which is that at Fairy God Boss, what we observe is that women are just not comfortable bragging about our achievements. And if we can all get more comfortable, it's going to be better for all of us. So can you brag for us about an achievement or, or many, multiple, all your achievements? So I would say, look at me today yes. and look what I have achieved and where I'm set to go. And I am Sophie's mom. I'm a single mom. My entire family of support network is technically in France and in Australia. Since COVID, none of them can be here physically. But Sophie and I are doing great. I am doing great in my job. I have people who like working with me. We have achieved some mind-boggling outcomes. And now that I've found my voice, there are so many people I engage with today that seem to value and appreciate the help. And I feel good about it. And you should, Blondine. That was wonderful. Thank you for, for doing that for us. That was great. So to our last question, if you could just leave our audience with one piece of advice, what would you share? What's the advice you'd give? Listen to yourself. Mm. Be very attuned with what your heart, your gut is telling you. Because I was an introvert. I was a shy kid. I had trauma in my childhood. But look where I am today. The biggest learning is that the strength is within. The biggest learning is we are amazing. And we should have no one, nothing preventing us from allowing us to be the best we can be. And so that's the first thing, being very deep attuned to self, what matters most to you, not your dad, not your mom, not your friend, not your husband, not your wife. Make sure you're clear on what matters most to you. And make sure that you're clear on what your worth is. If your heart goes excited, if your gut goes excited, if you do something and you feel so good about yourself, that's the signals that tell you to do more of that. So listen to that. Well, that was amazing advice. And I have to just leave that right there, Blondine. Thank you very much. It's been wonderful to learn from you. Thank you for your willingness to be courageous and transparent and candid about your personal life. And congratulations on all your success. Thank, Thank you, you for paving the path and being such a great role model for all of us. I'm happy to be part of the team. We have more to achieve together. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.